Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan-Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison. I am a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me as we uh, continue to roll on down the river of sadness is a fellow contributor at NinerNoise.com, Chris Wilson. Chris, how are we doing, man? Not too bad, my man. Did you happen to catch the Niners' final preseason game? last thursday is that what that was yeah i think so Shoot. so what on earth were the packers doing like playing their starters like rogers and adams and jones and not just for one drive but like the entire game most of the fourth quarter it's risky risky it's a little reckless if you ask me since they were playing against a team that was obviously resting all of their good players other than two <laughs> that must be it yeah yeah i don't know i don't know what the packers are doing out there <laughs> That's the only logical explanation is that the Packers thought it was week nine of the NFL season and not the fourth week of the preseason, which we all know, of course, that's what it was. Well, with the Niners roster, I can see how you can confuse the two. Yeah, if only that were the case. Uh, If only that were the case. So um, that was pretty bad, uh, that game on Thursday night. (laughs) Uh, As we sit here, it's been almost a week and it still feels like Let's just put it to you this way. So I have uh, one of my best friends is a Packers fan, and then I have another uh, friend of my in-laws who is a Packers fan, and neither of them said a word to me th- about it this week because it's just like they knew. And they want to stay friends with you. It's like, why pile on? No, it's not even It's not even that. It was just like the one that my, our, my in-laws friend said to me, he's like, I don't even know why they played that game. And they won. <laughs> we don't know why they played it either. Can someone tell us, please? I don't know either. Like That was what I said too. I was like... No clue either. Uh, seemed pretty reckless on uh, the part of uh, the NFL, but you know when it's the only game. Um, and 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 look, I don't want to uh, say that if we had had those two players or three players, I suppose that because um, it's hard to tell at this particular point whether or not it have been two or three. If this had been a Sunday game, uh, if we had had the you know Trent Williams and Brandon Ayuk at least, and maybe Kendrick Bourne, because who can tell whether or not he's actually. Uh, positive or negative at this particular juncture nobody knows not even him not even the tests <laughs> would it have made enough of a difference to win the game 
Probably not. At least it would have been a watchable football game. I wasn't even looking forward to watching this game. Yeah, I can assure you it would have been more competitive because, and I, and I even said this to to uh, to the uh, Packer fans in my life. I was like, look, missing Ayuk was bad. Uh, Debo was going to be out anyway, uh, and that that's that's not great. But like not having your starting left tackle in the game where they against a team with you know pretty good pass rushers with your you know second string quarterback out there um, made all the difference in the world, <laughs> if, if you ask me. Um, yeah, so bad, but uh, again, not surprising given the fact that the 49ers were already down their top offensive player, George Kittle, uh, the starting quarterback out for maybe the rest of the season. We don't know. Uh, top receiver out, Theo Samuel. And then of course the, le- the 11th hour loss of, uh, their left tackle and you know, their second slash their at least their second, maybe their third, fourth best receivers or the, the three players that have been playing as the top three receivers over the last couple of weeks, I should say. Look, frankly, the offense never had a chance, mostly because Nick Mullins had zero time to throw the ball. Um, and, uh, you know, when you have uh, the river flowing but not catching the ball that is being thrown to him, uh, it's it's just it didn't get the job done. And I think we have, have talked a lot about the, the, the pass rush and the defense being slow to create pressure and it, it just it just didn't have enough to get the job done and and you know Aaron Rodgers never really looked like he was too worried about anything that was happening and 31-17 loss I, I don't even think it was that close <laughs> the score made the, the game look a little bit closer than it was but it was not um, there has been some conversation about you know the Packers oh they're exercising their demons or whatever and you know, they came into into California and finally won a game and da-da-da-da-da. But look, as you noted, they did not beat the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday. That was our practice squad, and, and it was pretty obvious out there, I think. Yeah, and in a very rare, honest moment from Aaron Rodgers, he pretty much said so <laughs> when he was being interviewed on the field after the game. He's like, this is definitely not the same team we played last year. When he's saying it, it's pretty obvious that you're down a couple players. Yeah, when they kept flashing the number that they showed at the beginning of the game, none of the players that touched the ball in the NFC Championship game were in this game on Thursday night. Not a single one. And that included the guy who snapped the ball, Ben Garland, who was playing in that game at the center. Garoppolo, Kittle, Raheem Mostert, Debo Samuel, um, Kendrick Bourne. Maybe Mitch. Mitch might have been the only guy. I don't know. Did we punt? <laughs> he held like a snap or two. Uh, it was just this is yeah. offensive skilled players. The only player that was active in Week Nine uh, that touched the ball in the NFC Championship game, Matt Breida, who does not play for us anymore. <laughs> so, there you go. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Hey, we're still in the hunt, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know where this is going to go from here. I mean, we are still technically mathematically in this thing. Ten percent chance. Yeah, for sure. It's not it's not great, but it's it's definitely there. Um, so there's some good news. Uh, you know, this is probably the least hurt we've been in a long time, I guess. I don't know if that's it's it's hard to, you know, overcome when your starting quarterback is already out and your all pro tight end is already out and you know they're gonna be gone for the probably the rest of the season. But um, they did open up Richard Sherman's practice window this week. It's a twenty one day practice window. Finally someone I was able to get somebody to to sort of pin down what is the number uh, what's the window look like? Um, that means he'll be able to practice this week. Uh, more than likely he's not going to be active and, you know, to be, to be honest, if there is a position 
where depth is not a major issue right now. I would say it's cornerback in terms of like there's enough bodies that they don't need to rush Sherman back. Clearly, he would be a better option than some players that they could throw out there. But it's not like they're down to their last cornerback and they need to rush him out. So a uh, better chance that he'll be ready to go after the bye week uh, against the Rams because he has that whole time. Um, it doesn't look like any of the other players are going to be opened up uh, with those practice windows. I would say there's a pretty good chance we don't see Weston Richburg again this season or at, not again, but at all this season because um, he has not played. You keep talking about him, but I'm still not totally sure who this guy is. I guess it's very strange. Um, ben Garland's still not still not ready to go, so who knows what's going to happen with him. Uh, the center position is a massive black hole at this particular point. Who knows what's going on? And then uh, the most recent update is that uh, Raheem Mostert will not play on Sunday, so he will probably have his practice window opened up sometime uh, during the bye week. Uh, with hopes to have him ready for the Rams game as well. Uh, other news, the Niners did elevate Jonathan Cyprian, the safety, and wide receiver River Craycraft to the roster, um, and they brought back uh, Chris Fink, the Slippery Fox, back to the practice squad. That poor guy's getting the, the in and out <laughs> pretty badly at this particular point. Off the practice squad, on the practice squad, back and forth. So that happened a little earlier in the week. He has a comfortable couch from what I understand, so... I, I hope so. Catch the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Um, and then uh, the most recent update was uh, today, where as we record on Wednesday, Chukwaski Tart going to IR. Um, his season probably done at this particular point. Career in San Francisco, maybe? Yeah, questionable for sure. Uh, Austin Walter, running back, was promoted to the active roster, and the 49ers added. Good old friend of the franchise, quarterback Josh Johnson, the one and only, went to the practice squad. The one and only, um, Quan Williams, slot cornerback, potentially out for at least most of, if not the rest of the year. With Chris, would you believe another high ankle sprain? No way. The San Francisco high ankle sprains, man. That's the new team name. The 49ers must be. It's it's over. We're done. <laughs> we can't be called anything else. That's the end that's of it. Good call. I do have a question for you. Yes. Is Josh Johnson our new Dante Johnson on offense? Maybe. We were talking about this before we started recording. He has been on a lot of football teams in the NFL. <laughs> the number of times, if you would like a very interesting... 45-minute uh, read. <laughs> yeah, jaunt through information that where you just go, what? Go to Josh Johnson's pro football reference page and just look through the transactions that he has been through. Go to his game logs. There was a very interesting 2010 season for him while he was a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where he was not the starter at any particular point, but managed to get into 11 games and throw something like 16 passes, 14 of which he completed. Um, it's very bizarre. Yeah, and they were good that year. They won ten games, so it's not like they're getting blown out. <laughs> yeah, it was very strange. Um, the man has a very interesting career. He has yet to throw three hundred passes in the NFL. He has completed fifty-five percent of his passes in the NFL, and this includes that season in Tampa where he uh, completed eighty-seven percent of his passes in those eleven games that he played. Remarkable stuff. I <laughs> I don't have any clue what's going on. Um, apparently he's coming in because he's an athlete. Yeah, I guess we'll get to see if he's the guy that we just can't get away from the team for more than a handful of years. He's played in like three other football leagues in the meantime too, right? 
Yes, most recently in the XFL, um, I believe, is if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was like a superstar in the XFL, and then he played in that Alliance thing, and then some other league I'd never even heard of before. <laughs> nice. I mean, I think the rationale makes sense, like with what just happened to the wide receiver room this past week with COVID-19 stuff. The last thing you'd want is for that to happen to your quarterback room when you already are pretty thin at the position when you're working with two backup quarterbacks, essentially. Um, you know, it's not like Josh Johnson's going to go out there and win you a game more than likely, but, you know, it would be a body, I guess. <laughs> um, so there you go. Yeah, I mean, Troy Smith won football games, so I think we could do it. <laughs> he, he did. Uh, Quan Williams not going back on IR because if they put him on IR a second time, he would actually have to be out for the season. So maybe they will, but as of yet, they have not decided to do that. So yeehaw, fun times. Chris, any thoughts? Shanahan said yesterday or the day before that he was asked whether he was going to go on the IR and his first answer was yes. And then he thought about it and said, well, no, we can't because then he'd be done for the rest of the season. So maybe. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be back anytime soon. So enjoy yourself some Taylor cornerback blitzes and getting burnt on lots of plays. And actually, that's one thing. I wonder what they do with the cornerbacks when Sherman comes back. Like maybe you move right inside. I would think that the amount of snaps that the slot cornerback plays most of the time in NFL defenses, he's basically a starter. So why wouldn't you just let your three best cornerbacks be on the field all at the same time? Right. Otherwise just take mostly off. Yeah. Between Mosley and Verrett, I think they both have the skills to, to play the slot corner. If Mosley can play it, I just stick him in there just to play it and let Fred do what he's been doing. Agreed. If Fred is comfortable in the slot, then I'd sort of like him there. Seems a little bit quicker. But that would be a very rare good problem for staff. <laughs> a couple other questions I had about their moves. Mm-hmm. So what's up with the river over white decision? I feel like white might have more upside. I would think so. I mean, he was a first-round draft pick at one point, so... I thought he'd get a few more snaps than that. Yeah, he played like seven snaps or something like that on Sunday. That was a little confusing. And then, can we please, please, no more Harris, except in emergency situations. We need to <laughs> blow somebody up or something. Just play Tavares more. Please play him. Yeah. Please play him. Just, He's so much yeah. better than Harris and Ward. <laughs> so just get him in the game, please. Yeah, at this point, I think um, your defensive backfield has got to be Ward, Moore, and then Verrett, Mosley, and then at least for Sunday, uh, Jamar Taylor, and hopefully Sherman will be ready to go for the rest of the year. And then and then at that point, we shift over to Ward, Moore, and then you know the, the combination that we were talking about, Sherman, Mosley, Verrett of some combination in there. So You just have to get Tarverius Moore on the field. He's too good to not... I mean, we don't have that many good players. Right now, and he's just too good to be sitting there doing nothing. I yeah, I agree. And he hasn't played enough to be in Shane's doghouse. Agreed. It's very interesting. And and the you know bringing Jonathan Cyprian up is certainly interesting as well because you know we, he you would think he's more of a Chikwaski Tart replacement, I would think. And so maybe that's a better move than putting Harris out there. But I don't know. He's also an older veteran, and what what are you getting out of that? <laughs> but you get a lot of open receivers fifty yards downfield when you have Harris out there. And I like Harris, but. Harris is not a guy who should be in that position. It's not his fault. Well, you know, it's partially his fault, but at that point, it was not his fault. Other than his horrible technique. Nope, nope, not a cover guy at all. Um, let's uh, let's close the book on the uh, the Packers game by getting into our one up, one down segment. Um, I think the one up section is going to be pretty short for 
obvious reasons. We have two options. We basically had two options and we kind of, you know, it wasn't really a coin flip so much. It was, I got there first. Um, but that doesn't mean you got a bad choice. It just means it took my dude. You, you got it. So I got my other dude. So yeah, exactly. So Chris, tell us who your up is for the Packers game. Well, it is not Richie James. So therefore it is Mr. Frederico Warner. <laughs> Apparently that is his name <laughs> who often appear to be the only defensive player trying to play during Thursday's preseason game. And he was all over the place. He's diagnosing screens, running players down, going north-south, east-west, not all at the same time, but doing all effectively. Racked up a game-high 13 tackles. But beyond his play on the field, most importantly, far, far more importantly than his stellar play, was Aaron Rodgers' kind words spoken directly to him, which we all got to hear because Warner was mic'd up for the game. And for anyone who hasn't heard, it's like some big story now. <laughs> Rogers told him that you know, he was the best linebacker in the game. He's an all-pro. The film tells the story. He told him like three or four times. And then when he was interviewed on the sideline, or I guess he wasn't on the sideline. I guess he was on the sideline, and I'm not sure where the reporter was, but somewhere in the general vicinity, well more than six feet away. He basically said the same thing in his post-game interview, saying that he was the only thing that they had going for them. <laughs> and then he followed up again in a radio interview. So since the Aaron Rodgers spoke these kind words, it must now be true. So look for Warner's stock to continue to skyrocket. And he has, thanks to other people's words, <laughs> finally arrived in 2020, even though he's been good for three years, but whatever. Even Troy Aikman, in a rare glimpse of sobriety from the broadcasting booth, <laughs> called one, <laughs> one of the best in the game. So I'm thinking Pro Bowl locked up. All pro, he's probably the man to beat right now. Um, Tony Romo also mentioned that he was the best linebacker in the game. Yeah, I think that Tony was the one who, who started it. And then everyone loves Tony. What's not to love about him? Yeah. I missed him on. Except for his play in the playoffs. <laughs> hey, you know, that's not not his fault anymore. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. Um I've been I I've been writing a great deal about about uh, Fred Warner lately. Um I did a a piece about the five uh, best players that for the 49ers so far this uh, season and Warner came out as number 1 on that list. All right. Um and then I wrote a little bit about how the Niners needed to uh, take advantage of the Quan Alexander exit and uh, use some of that money to start thinking about locking up Warner for long term. Because as we discussed, he has one more year left on the rookie deal. Is that, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, this is year three. Let's go one more. Yeah, this is year three. Uh, but they can start the conversation about an extension next year or this off season. So um, you know, it's time to start thinking about that. Um, you know, they can't actually start having that conversation yet, you know, technically. Um, and I think a lot of teams are going to be really wary of the salary cap uh, situation, what with not knowing what next season's going to look like. Um, Except for those teams like the Saints who haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> right. Well, but that's another thing altogether. But yeah, so he's definitely got to be, I mean, the Niners have a lot of things they have to pay attention to, but making sure that he's on the team long-term, I think, has got to be one for sure. Totally agree. And thanks a lot, Aaron Rodgers, for... Probably scoring a couple tens of millions of dollars there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> messed us up. You just had to say nice things about the guy, and now we like you never say nice things about us. Why well, you have to 
choose now to be nice for the first time in your life. I'll continue to make fun of you for not being able to drink beers. <laughs> okay. Well done. Well done. So, for your up. Yes, my up uh, is the other guy that played well on uh, Sunday, and that was Richie James, um, who took a great deal of advantage of his opportunity with no Debo Samuel, with no Brandon Ayuk, with no George Kittle, with no Kendrick Bourne, with no really anybody uh, (laughs) at wide receiver. There was River, and there was... Trent Taylor, I think, technically played on Sunday. I think I might have commented that we have way too many white wide receivers on <laughs> We're up to two the now. field right now. And generally, that's a bad sign, unless you're the Patriots. Up to two right now, so not real good. But yes, so um, Richie James had the game of his life. I Well, not his life, but of his NFL life for sure. And I think if there is one lesson that we learned from this game that we didn't already know, because we already knew that uh, that Fred Warner was was awesome. But what we now know um, and now hopefully have confirmed uh, for the uh, coaching staff in San Francisco is that even with uh, Debo probably coming back and Ayuk definitely coming back on Sunday and hopefully Jordan Reed getting more into the offense than he was on Thursday, you got to get Richie James the ball. I mean, he's definitely going to be the third wide receiver, and we know that, that Shanahan likes to use all three of his wi- of those wide receivers uh, effectively. He's he. There's no reason at this point that Richie James should not be on the field over somebody like River Craycraft or even Trent Taylor, who I don't know what happened to that guy, but he seems to be, to have lost it. Back injuries will do it to you, I guess. Yeah, um, Richie James is a more dynamic version of what Trent Taylor could be, and um, you can move those three pieces around. Um, you know, Richie James and and Debo and and Io can be interchangeable type of movable parts, and I think that's what. Shanahan wants anyway, so why not get him out there? Uh, nine catches, 184 yards, one touchdown, and, and probably as we were discussing before the uh, before we started recording, there were more yards to be had. But you know, Nick Mullins was being you know pressured all game and couldn't find him. There was a couple of plays, I think, on the interception, the ball where uh, you know Mullins had to unload the ball because uh, Justin School was a turnstile. Um, <laughs> you have to be a little more specific. The interception. The interception play, you know, the for early in the game. Um, I believe there was a, 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 a some footage where it saw that that Richie James had had bypassed his defender and was streaking down the field wide open. And if if there had been even like half a second more for Mullins to throw the ball, he could have gotten it to him, and it would have been way way gone. Um, so even left yards on the field. Um, the worst part is Chris is that I was scouring the waiver wire of my fantasy league prior to the game, and I saw Mr. Richie James sitting there. Nobody nobody touched him. I was like... Nobody knows who he is. Not even Shanahan. I don't know. I, you know, I don't think... And so I left, him on the, I left him on the waiver wire and did not pick him up, and so that was, uh, that was bad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> probably could use those fifty points or whatever. It would have been, it would have been nice, yeah, for sure. The, the nice thing is, someone he picked him up this week and probably thinks he's going to do it again. <laughs> and now the joke's going to be on them. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that might have been me for the record, <laughs> but anyway, oh, <laughs> you, you picked him up. Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how that goes. You never know. Um, so I'm pretty sure that Richie James had more yards in that game than he had in any of his other seasons, right? I think that's correct. Yes, <laughs> you said that. He proved to us or he showed us or something like that. I think we already know, but hopefully Shanahan knows that. That's the important thing. Yes. Because it's sort of hard to ignore that. He basically stuck him into what he was going to do with Ayuk. And 
don't think I could have done it any better. <laughs> so if the Niners could just block a little bit, both downfield and offensive line, I'm crazy, right? He had two additional easy touchdowns if it was just half decent blocking downfield and half decent Actually, even like poor blocking on the offensive line, he would add two more. So he could have had a monster day. He could have maybe doubled his career yardage and had even more yeah. scores. Could have been better. So like I've been saying, and many others have been saying, we need to hashtag free Richie James. So he has been freed for one game. Hopefully he will continue to be freed. Let's hope so. All right. Um, well, that was all we have to say about good things because pretty much everything else was bad. Um, yeah, everything else yeah, sucks. Pretty much. Uh, Chris, down. What do you got? Oh, everything. Seriously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. There we go. Short. Done. I mean, I'd be like a little more specific. Yes, of course you will. I got beef, yo. First, NFL. Why did you force the 49ers to play this game? You forced us to sit out all of our few <laughs> offensive weapons that we have left. After a false positive COVID test and you wouldn't move the game that was on Thursday that nobody watched because no one wants to watch an exhibition game, especially the fourth one. And you didn't move it until the weekend or Monday or Tuesday like you do for other teams. Why not? I don't understand. This is on a Thursday night. It's the easiest one to move back. You've done it before. What's the problem? And they essentially predetermined the outcome of the game. And that's why this is the first time in a long time I really don't want to watch it. I mean, it's not like I'm not going to. I did three times and it hurts, <laughs> but I went into it with absolutely no expectations other than hoping that we didn't lose, you know, multiple starters and we lost two of them. So proud of my man, Richie and always proud of Warner playing well, but it was a game that just should not have been played. And I just can't imagine that an average NFL fan is going to watch that game. Like who wants to watch that? If you're not a Packers fan or a 49ers fan or yeah, some type of journalist type person like we are. Um, they're forced to watch it. So their ratings must have been horrible, but they must have had some reason. So one was the NFL. Two, the Niners franchise for not caring. The message that Shanahan delivered post game is that he and the team were just a bunch of bystanders and hey, the NFL just makes decisions and you know, whatever they say it goes, we just accept it, so it is what it is. Did the Niners front office like seriously not push back? and ask for them to move this game back. Because if they didn't, that's just horrible. From what Shanahan said, it didn't sound like they even tried. I have to imagine they tried. I sure hope they tried, because otherwise that's just incompetence. So Shanahan, he played like he knew he was going to get blown out, and he didn't want to get blown out, so he played not to get blown out. (laughs) And he did get blown out, but then he decided that he didn't want to actually be aggressive when the game was in a potential point where they could have won it, but he was super aggressive like at the end of the game when the game didn't matter anymore and wanted to get that last touchdown so the score didn't look so bad. And not cool. <laughs> I just want a coach who has an interest in winning the game. And you know, usually he's definitely does, even if he comes in with a game plan that doesn't work very well. You can tell that he wants to win it, but this one he didn't really seem like he cared too much. Even that third down where Rogers had the quick snap and he caught Street trying to come off the field and Street decided he wanted to run diagonal. He wasn't going to make it off anyway because Rogers got, <laughs> Rogers was for some reason able to snap the ball even though the umpire who puts the ball down was still like in the Packers' backfield and they let him snap the ball anyway. So usually they stop that, but 
They didn't. And Shaney's like yelling. He's right in front of the ref and he's like yelling at the street. There's no way on earth he's going to get off the field in time. When, why don't you call a timeout? Third and four, third and five or something like that. Yeah. And, right. You know, Rogers gets a quick snap and throws a pick to Rhett, you know, which he probably wouldn't have thrown. Anyway, he was just basically trying to get the penalty and Shanahan wasn't smart enough to call a timeout. He had the timeout. So there's no reason not to. Especially when you're standing right in front of the ref and it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Like your, your anger at street can be there and it could be there when he gets off the field, but do your job while you have a chance to stop this from being an automatic first down. Stop going for field goals over touchdowns at the beginning of the game. Stop your super vanilla play calling. Was he really going to win this game? It's very highly unlikely. The way he coached, there's zero chance he would have won this game. And then, of course, Sala, who once again, like clockwork, just lets the top white out on a team with no other receiving threats, just run free through his secondary, either uncovered or singled up with no safety help. That's probably a good transition into your down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so my down is uh, everybody who tried to cover uh, Devontae Adams, who is the aforementioned uh, only receiving threat that the Packers have. Um, Jordan Love, not active and not a wide receiver. Uh, but, you know, there we go. We can make fun of them all we want for them not picking a wide out in the draft. But, hey, they beat us pretty bad. So uh, so here are the numbers according to uh, the just sort of statistical things. And then um, our friends over at uh, PFF, who this is not grades. This is just, uh, you know, pointing out who who erred in this particular case. So Adams finished uh, with 10 catches on 12 targets for 173 yards and one touchdown. Um, Par for the course. Yeah. So sounds about right. Uh, so here are the uh, the defenders who were responsible for uh, Devante Adams uh, being, uh, you know, basically real good at football um, and allowing him to do whatever he wanted. Uh, Aziz Al-Shair uh, allowed three catches. Why are you covering him? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, three catches you tell on me th- the guys who are covering him and I'll tell you if they should have been or not. Okay. All right. Um, three catches on three targets, just 22 yards, but still allowed every cat, every time the ball was thrown in his direction. Um, uh, Devonta Adams made the play. You should not be covering Devonta Adams. Yeah, probably not. Uh, Dre Greenlaw, nope. uh, one catch, <laughs> on one target for eight yards. So, you know, he did a pretty good, pretty good job with that. Um, if I'm not mistaken, um, like seven of those eight yards were after the catch. So I think that might've been like a screen situation or something like that. Uh, so Greenlaw, you know, that might not have been sort of like he was like the defender quote unquote, but he was like the guy who was close. Yeah. Th- there were a couple of plays where they, where they went like all wide and he was in the slot and, Taylor was not on him and we had a linebacker on him. It was like multiple plays that we're not switching. Why can't we switch our cornerback to be covering Dante Adams and switch our linebacker to be covering their running back? Yeah. In the middle, like sense. everybody else does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Manuel Mosley, uh, who got a lot of flack uh, for uh, his coverage on, on what? Thursday, but really was not um, a major culprit here. He was only covering him twice. Uh, and had one pass breakup. Uh, so Adams had one catch for 36 yards. It just happened to be his touchdown. Um, and you know, it wasn't, it wasn't great. Um, how can you defend against that though? I mean, that was just a perfect yeah, throw and catch. I mean, it's like not a lot of combination quarterbacks and wide receivers are going to make that play. So for I don't sure. blame that on Mosley and Mosley was all over him on the next and they tried to do it again. And yeah. He and then he was all over him and knocked the ball right away. So yeah. Yeah, I don't think I, in. I don't blame him at all. No, I came into the into this thinking that I was gonna 
kind of single Mosley out. But as I started to look into it more, I was like, nah, he didn't really play as poorly as um, the sort of consensus was while the game was happening. Um, you know, he didn't get torched like he did last week um, by DK Metcalf by any stretch of the imagination. He definitely played a lot better. Um, Jamar Taylor, uh, three catches on three targets, 47 uh, yards. Um, and two of those three catches were for first downs. Um, I'd rather not have him on him ever. Yeah, not a, not ideal. It makes more um, sense than Al Sheer. Sure. Uh, Jimmy Ward, one catch uh, on one target, 11 yards. And, also not good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Jason Verrett, the one time that he got matched up on him, he actually got toasted. Uh, one uh, <laughs> one uh, catch on one target for Devontae Adams for 49 yards. So that was not ideal. Um, and as I recall, that Verrett kind of got caught looking at the at, you know, the backfield a little bit and, and missed out on what was going on. Uh, the other target, uh, Kwan Williams, was the defender, and I don't, remember, I don't remember what exactly. It was, must have been really early. <laughs> yeah, it was early in the game. Uh, I don't remember exactly what happened there, but because he did not get credited with a pass breakup or anything. Um, but uh, is that the ball he dropped? Because it might have been. He dropped one pass. It was just like right in his hands, I believe. I think it was him. Yeah. All right, so all those guys. That's a lot of players defending one player. Um, so look, Devontae Adams is... A, or not defending him. Yeah, or not defending him. Being around. Um, so I don't think there's any question that Devontae Adams is a great receiver and that you know Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. If Aaron Rodgers had finished with 10 completions for 173 yards and a touchdown, we probably wouldn't be having this, this, <laughs> this conversation too much. It'd be like, okay, yeah, Adams torched us, but... Nobody else did. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that they didn't really do a great job of covering any of their other receivers either. There was some other, you know, other plays. But as you as you've noted time and time again, this keeps happening with with number one receivers on other teams. And even though, you know, none of the other Packers receivers eclipsed 55 yards in the day, um, there is this question of like, how do you not know what they're going to do uh, kind of thing? And there are some other issues, you know, the the uh Marquez Scout, whatever that guy's name is, Scout Van Valdez Scantling. Valdez Scantling. That that touchdown that he had, where Harris didn't know where the ball was or any clue about what was going on behind him. That's not what you want either. Um, <laughs> Harris should never be there, but that's bad coverage by Harris. He right got turned around and he didn't do anything special. Like he ran a skinny post, and Harris just decided to be ten yards behind him. Right. And Harris decided he was going to go to the corner. And he didn't. <laughs> the overall point is that if you find a way to shut Adams down, then you probably give yourself a much better chance of winning this game in spite of all the injuries because none of those other guys were going to beat you. It's just fact. Um, yeah. So that's the concern. And as we're going to talk about here in a few minutes, it's going to be an even bigger concern uh, in just a few days' time. So any thoughts on that, Chris? My thoughts on this are this is no longer just a horrible trend. It's established. Salad does not know what he's doing against number one wideouts that are good. So I was not shocked that a team with a clear number one receiving target, which we've spoken about many times before, torched Salad's defense. And if he doesn't get it by now, I don't think he's ever going to get it. And also, like, where's the secondary coach? Tony Yoden, I believe? Or really like any coach. We must have some 21-year-old quality control coach who's 
picking up helmets and jerseys or whatever and like doing laundry who can explain to our defensive coordinator that focusing coverage around elite receivers like Julio Jones, Devontae Adams, and perhaps even Michael Thomas is a good idea. And maybe like a little safety help, just a little, like a little shade in the receiver's direction. Like that would be nice as well. It's getting to a point where if we don't have the pass rush to get to the quarterback, then we're just going to get hosed by every number one wide out in the NFL. And changes should have been made by now. Yeah. And he's just losing. And I don't want to say respect. I mean, I still respect him, but it's like, it's just, he does not get it. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, I don't trust him just, to do. Actually, I, I'm 100% sure he will not do what he's supposed to do in those type of situations. But I mean, he has other coaches. Other people could tell, be telling him this. He works for Shanahan. Shanahan should be telling him this. Right. Yeah. But I know Shanahan doesn't like number one wide receivers for whatever reason. So who knows where it's coming from? But I know nothing else other than to put it on solid because he's the one who's calling the defense and he's the one who's not able to defend against number one wideouts who consistently, like 100% of the time, would just toast us. Yeah. He's got to step it up. Yep, for sure. Um, so speaking of uh, teams with number one uh, wideouts, let's go ahead and move on to talking about another game, the game that's coming up on Sunday when the uh, Niners make their annual pilgrimage to New Orleans. It feels like that anyway. Uh, to take on a suddenly very red-hot Saints team. Um, so the Saints, like, obliterated, like, crushed into the ground. Um a Bucks defense that has actually been pretty good this year um, that actually a couple of weeks ago just, you know, did basically the same thing to Aaron Rodgers and his group uh, that they ha- that the Bucks had happened to their offense by the Saints. Um, it was an ugly, you know, just the worst defeat of Tom Brady's career in the NFL in, you know, 20 seasons now in the league. And this is the worst defeat that he's ever had. Uh, this is also <laughs> the first time that he's ever lost uh, two division games to the same team. So he's ever been swept by a team in the division, um, in his division, in his career, was this year. They lost in week one to the Saints and then this past week, which is crazy. Good thing he's been playing in like the worst division in football his entire career. <laughs> that, that That's probably helped, yeah, um, for sure. But um, Oh, I didn't get swept by the Jets this year again. Yeah. <laughs> almost. Uh, so, Chris, the question is, is there any hope for this 49ers defense as wounded and, and beat up as it is, um, you know, they've been doing their darndest, but I, I, is there any hope for this, for this team? I mean, yeah, there's always hope. It really comes down to how much they want to use Taysom. Bingo. I mean, this is like one time I'm allowed to talk about him, right? Yes. You can actually talk about him now because he is on the opposing team this time. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about him very I much well, yeah. because he's worthless. But if they play Taysom at quarterback, I'm feeling pretty good about this game. I think we got it. But if they're not playing Taysom at quarterback, then no. Because, again, similar, well, somewhat similar to the Packers and Devontae Adams. The Saints have a top wide receiver who is one game off of injury, Michael Thomas, from best in the game. In my opinion, better than Adams when he's healthy. So I fully expect Salah to pay absolutely no attention to him, and he'll get his 12 to 15 targets, and he's isolated against whomever, who will have no help up top. And he'll just roast our secondary or even our linebackers who somehow get find themselves stuck in coverage against top 
NFL wideouts. So if you're a team with a top tier wide receiver and Saints are one of those teams, you're just golden when you play San Francisco and you will continue to be as long as Salah is the defensive coordinator or whether that 21-year-old kid can stop cleaning the bathroom and tell Salah how to do his job. I, I definitely agree with, with that. <laughs> you don't do it. Not a lot. Not the last part. But the rest of it. By the way, um, Taysom uh, had his uh, season high in rushing yards uh, and in passing yards on Sunday against Tampa Bay. Um, How many was that? Just mi- he had 54 rushing yards on seven Whoa. carries. Uh, he had 48 passing yards on two completions, and he also caught the ball once for 21 yards. So, How about that? Taysom. All over the place. Mediocrity. Um, <laughs> so 100 and something yards that, that they're paying a lot of money for that. Anyway, um, so yeah, so <laughs> Michael Thomas is a problem. Uh, but the big difference between the Packers and the Saints is that the Saints have, you know, the Packers had Aaron Jones and he started off pretty well, but then sort of disappeared uh, late in the game because he'd been hurt for the last several weeks. Um, but the, the Saints have other options uh, so it isn't as if you can just focus, and even if Salah was was prone to do this, it wouldn't be that he could just focus all his attention on Michael Thomas and just ignore the rest of the of the team, uh, because the Saints have a number two receiver, someone that 49er fans may remember. Um, Manuel Sanders is on the Saints now, and he is uh, um, supposed to be back. Uh, I think he was on the the COVID list last week um, and didn't didn't play um but as yeah he's he's been out for a couple but has been you know has had a had a decent season you know at this at this point in his career they also have a uh dual threat running back named alvin kamara who is uh back to being a problem for the league after being a little bit down uh last year um they they have other options (laughs) is is the point that i'm trying to make uh which means they could like quadruple cover thomas and wouldn't and there's probably enough on this saints offense to to do the job um yeah i, I wouldn't want them to quadruple cover him i just want them to cover okay. him well like, just pay him some attention reasonable and like you know if manuel sanders beats us and Manuel sanders beats us but don't let yeah their top wider series no, i think that's fair and not cover um well that's, that's just an auto just loss to you know? that point the the niners have been pretty specific about uh they don't move their cornerbacks um and some of that is as a system thing, um, you know, they have the the boundary quarterback and the field quarterback. Cornerback, I believe, is the the the, the nomenclature there. Um, is or they just go left right because the Sherman, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you think that this is a situation where they would where they would make a lot of sense to not do that? I think every situation when you're playing a top wide receiver is a situation you shouldn't be doing that. Even Sherman, who is allergic to the right side of the field from the defense perspective, remember was it two years ago, three years ago, mm-hmm. he pulled one of our own players away from Devontae Adams so he could cover him man-to-man, just totally bypassing Salah's defensive call because yeah. he was just getting torched. And if Sherman's willing to go on the other side of the field where, you know, who knows what kind of allergies he has to it, what kind of breakouts, you know, <laughs> what kind of false positives he have in the future. Oh, if he's willing to do it, then yeah, I say it's a pretty good idea. If he lines up in the slot, then someone needs to be lining up in the slot across from him who can cover him a little bit and you need to be helping with a safety. And 
I think even Dante Whitner was saying so. Mm-hmm. It's getting that bad, you know. Even he's figured it out. <laughs> so when he figures that out, and he's been just crushing the Niners this year with this analysis. Yes. Yeah, but the players, not the coaching staff. But he was wondering the first time why we didn't do this. But I guess he just figured it out. But this is something that's been going on for years and didn't really count it as much when the 49ers were bad and just giving up points to everybody. But since the 49ers had a good defense, that's when it's really been the anomaly, I guess. Because they'll play the other teams well, yeah, but they will not play the teams that have DeAndre Hopkins well. Or they did play the Packers well when they just ran for a bajillion yards on them. But That helps. Yeah. But Adam still got his. We're not in the position where we can have a track meet like we had with them last year. No. We just don't <laughs> have the players out there. And actually, we probably could do okay in a real track meet, but not a one where the football needs to be thrown by quarterback. <laughs> and not one where you need offensive linemen. We don't have any block. Well, hopefully Trent will be back unless yes, you know they want to false positive us again. No, I think I think we're good. Um, but yeah, I, I I think to me this goes kind of one of two ways um, on Sunday. I think it's it's either going to be a game that looks very much like uh, like the Packers game where we have a superior offense uh, in the Saints. You know, at the moment they have the superior offense. You know, there's a lot of question about that. Uh, it runs up the score on an inferior defense, and again, as currently constructed, I think if at full health, I'm not sure that both those statements would be uh, would be true. While the other offense, which is you know beat up by injury, um, is just not going to get going, and it's just like a smashing situation. Um, I think there is an opportunity where neither defense can really stop the other. I think that exists. I think there is a version of this game where Mullins kind of plays out of his mind. Oh, I think you say Josh Uh <laughs> No, um, I don't think he'll be eligible to be actually on the on the team because he won't have gone through his his COVID testing yet. I don't think, but I don't know. He can wear a Beathard's jersey. They look the same. Oh, okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> so I think that there's a there's a small chance that that can happen. I think Mullins has shown us he has that in him. He's done that before, but I you know I I don't know that that's really likely there's certainly a third option in a technical sense where the you know the the saints as you were talking about before have played their super bowl last week against uh, the buccaneers and that they're a little bit gassed after that big division win um and that they come out kind of flat but uh these two uh, franchises i think have too much history especially in you know the last decade or so uh for that to kind of for that seem to be the case i think more than likely that's that's not uh, in the cards at all. So let's do predictions. Uh, <laughs> um, so if pressed, I would say that of those outcomes that the first is more likely. Um, again, is it possible that Nick Mullins has another game, you know, where he plays out of his mind and, you know, people start talking about, you know, Oh, what a good solid backup he is and that sort of thing. Um, sure. Is it likely? I don't think so. I think we have enough data to to say that, that that is not, that those games are outliers. Those are that's not who Nick Mullins is. He's a decent player, but he's not good enough to, to especially given the, uh, the crippled nature of the rest of the offense. I don't know that he has enough to really stick with them. Um, I think the score may end up a little closer than than the Packers game. Uh, you know, simply because they've had time to to prepare and to rest and that sort of thing. But I just I don't feel like there's a scenario where. Even if the score is technically closer, I think it could be one of those things where, you know, the, the score ends up looking closer than the game actually is. 
Um, and that is, uh, you know, 49ers football in 2020, I guess, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, so I'm going to go Saints 31, Niners 21. Chris, to you. So, you too. Okay. Yep. Pretty decent guess. Um, so this line went from the Saints by six and a half with an over under of 53.5 before they played and put a licking on Tom Brady and the Bucks. And the over under moved down to 49, but the line moved up to nine. So that's not good. Yikes. So the Saints are predicted by Vegas or expected by Vegas to score approximately the same amount of points, but the 49ers are not going to score as many points as they first thought they were going to before they saw what the Saints defense is capable of doing to a team that's a little bit better than us. So that's a bad sign. (laughs) Yeah. All that to say, that's just not good news for the Niners. And since Sean Payton hates us, you think I see him running up the score if he can, because, you know, I mean, he'll like try to kill Alex Smith. I mean, yeah. And and pay people for it in the postseason, but he'll try to do it in the preseason and bring all these crazy blitzes and stuff like that. So, you know, if he has a chance to, really demoralize the team and crush us, then he's going to take that chance because that's the person he is, I guess. And I see this this is another game where Shanahan just doesn't want to get blown out. And Shanahan is all I can talk about is, you know, week twelve, week twelve. And he it doesn't seem like he has the faith in his team, which is probably justified, but I would still hope that he would go into battle with a full game plan of victory and not of not getting blown out. But I think the combination of those two things sort of screams blowout in this game. You went with 21 points. Okay, so you're wrong because you broke the shinny touchdown to gold field goal rule with three touchdowns. Oh, you're right. You're right. It should have been like 20. 31-20 would have made more sense. Or do they kick seven field goals? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I think it's... More likely they can accept goals. It's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you're not right. So I'm going to go a little more with the Saints. I'll go Saints 34 and 49ers 20 because that is like yeah, that with, within the TD without a goal threshold. Seems so, you know, two touchdowns and then two field goals that we shouldn't kick, but we'll kick anyway. And then cool. the Saints will just keep pouring it on as much as they can and... Taysom will get in the game and probably do something good for once and then make me angry. You're going to have to talk um, about so it I'm, next I'm week. really looking forward to the game, too. All right. <laughs> this is going to be so much fun. But right? honestly, hey, man, anything can happen. And like I was That's true. talking to you before the game and last couple of days, that the Seahawks definitely came to play against us two weeks ago. And that was a game they really, really, really yeah. wanted to win. You could tell by the way they played the next week. Like, crap. Yes. <laughs> I mean, parts of it were just horrible. Especially Wilson. So that's really the only prayer that we have here is that the Saints played their Super Bowl last week and then just don't care. Overlook us this week and Shanahan will come to play and if not play, then at least call the right plays and Richie James will be released along with his. Yeah, I mean, he he should definitely be part of the Act Bros. I agree. Yeah. But I I guess he wasn't hanging out with them during the whole non COVID COVID thing. So, I guess so. Yeah, so I'm, right. I'm thinking, yeah, 14.1 sounds about right to me. Yeah, seems right. I, I don't like it, but no, 
no, it's not going to be any fun at all. I speak it the truth. Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate your honesty for sure. Um, all right. Well, thanks as always for listening uh, to another episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Uh, as always, you can check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.